0: Welcome in everyone to Up and Down, a disc golf analytics podcast on the Statmando Podcast Network. I'm Jesse, joined as usual by Joey. Hello. We're the nerds who run this thing, and on this episode, we will be breaking down the 2023 OTB Open. But first, Joey, welcome back to the continental United States.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to be back. Not too happy, though.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine you're that thrilled.
1: No. No yeah so we were in hawaii for two weeks beautiful weather most of the time it's some there's some rainy areas um but we still had fun played some disc golf
0: yep i saw you were sending me some pictures on the course which is cool
1: yeah definitely a little different than uh than disc golf out here it's uh the courses we played were relatively small i'd I'd even call them like pitch and putt and relatively wooded you know the 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 main one that we went to it was called gargoyles gardens and you know the owner mike showed us around i mean he doesn't even charge people to play you know he, he sells discs if you want to support him and it's essentially just in his backyard and i mean he's got a good property it's probably 50 acres but he you know showed us around and and we played they were actually doing kind of like a league night tags night kind of thing um so you know we hung around with him and he showed us around and told us the history of the course and how he designed it and you know what i thought was really cool is is he told us that his mo is that he doesn't cut down any native trees you know there's a couple there's a couple species that are like known to be invasive and he's trimmed some of that but like in general most of his property is covered by native trees and he doesn't remove any of them so it's sort of a totally different course design philosophy and challenge right to have right to des- yeah design a course with what you're given rather than sculpt it from a forest right so it's certainly made for a a wacky course design i'll call it you know most of the holes were probably you know under 250 and you know putters and mids most of the time which is all i brought <laughs> and right you know weaving funky lines through the trees and obstructed putts but we we had a good time um and he had all sorts of stories about pros that have played there you know page of course everybody knows about page in hawaii but um you know he was talking about juliana corver and greg barsby and lots of other pros that have have stopped by over the years so it was it was really cool very cool very cool yeah made my, my little map on Udisc look a little different.
0: <laughs> yep, <laughs> That's honestly one of the best parts.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I walked on and I didn't know how to feel right. Because, you know, Maple Hill is my home course. I'm used to playing in the woods, but Maple Hill has fairways and, and this is not, this is not that, you know, this is very much <laughs> feels like you're scrambling when you're standing in the tee pad. Um, and these guys, <laughs> these guys are good, you know, this is all they do. You know, right. there's not, not many courses around there at all. So, you know, their game is well-tuned to those challenges. So yeah, it was, it was a blast. Um, I, bought, I bought a disc off him and it was a streamline ascend, which is just one of the ones that I had been thinking about trying. And it was, I mean, it's a very, very understable fairway driver and
0: it's their like six and a half speed or something
1: yeah something like that and it's like minus yeah, okay. three or four yep on, yep on the turn so there was one hole that I, I didn't realize existed that was like a 450 foot par par four and he's he's like oh and you know such and such a pro was here and he barked it and blah 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 so you know here's me trying to show off now and I'm like okay here we go and all I brought was a A putting putter and a throwing putter that's that's all i brought so right yeah (laughs) so now now i grab this ascend that i just bought to support him and i'm like obviously i can't throw this disc 450 or whatever it was but i i tried like hell put it on as much hyzer as i could totally roll it over and just really yeah totally totally turns and burns this thing and just like soars off his off his property line, like deep into the like, and he's like, "Let's not even bother finding that." And I'm like, "Okay."
0: Oh man!
1: So I was a little bummed because it'd be cool to have the, have the stamp with with his his logo on it and stuff like that. Oh, of but course, that's the only reason it, you bought it. That's exactly right. So I thought about getting another disc from him just just to support a little more and have it, but I, I didn't. But anyway, so. Very unstable disc. Which, if that's what you're looking for, streamline ascent. Not, not yeah, a distance I, driver. I wouldn't have.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that it was that flippy.
1: Yeah, it's it's extremely but it's extremely flippy. Yeah. Hmm.
0: I yeah. got to do a little traveling uh, since our last episode. Obviously, I traveled out to your wedding out in Massachusetts. Got to hit Maple Hill and all that fun stuff. Of course. I also got to go to Portland, Oregon, which is yeah. cool. Uh, My fiance had a conference out there and we made a little weekend trip out of it. So I did not get to play Milo MacIver, which stinks because it's like it's like 45 minutes away. So it's very realistic to go there and do it and come back. Right. Um, Just with the timing of other things we had going on, we we didn't make it work. But I was able to get most of the front, actually all of the front nine, I think at Blue Lake which is yep. cool. Totally forgot that property was even out there. Right. Um. When I was playing it, I got to hole five. I think it. it's either five or six. I don't remember. And I come around the corner and get close to the tee pad. And I look out to the basket and I recognize the hole. And it's the hole that Gavin Babcock ace for the $10,000 skins ace. Right. Yep. I Legendary. had no idea that hole was on that property. I didn't like,
1: I wouldn't have remembered watch, that if you asked you know, me. Yeah.
0: right and so i got there i was like oh that's cool like i i didn't even know this was here um and i also got to play pier park which was cool uh once again didn't play the whole course but played like the first 13 holes or something played most of it yep uh it's a course that a lot of people consider the best par 54 course in the world okay which is cool i'm used to par 54 courses that's really all we have where i'm at okay and uh, yeah, this was definitely a notch above those that I'm used to. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. I still I still got the Oregon disc golf experience playing in the the 200 foot tall Douglas Furs and the whole bit. Yep. And uh, just crazy. It sounds beautiful. so cool. Yeah, it, it really was. It was very cool.
1: Yeah, it it would have been really cool to hit Milo, especially with Beaver State being this weekend. Um, yep. But I actually one of my friends that I play with has has played pier park and i mentioned that you were out there and he said that he had a really good time there he said he played it three times in one day because it was the only one that was close enough for him to get to and they i think they didn't have a rental car and made their way sure. over there and you know played it as much as he could when he was there so
0: yeah it, it is seriously a great course like really really good yeah, all right it, man
1: it sounds amazing let's let's jump into it otb open
0: let's do it all right, 60-second stories. This is the biggest headlines from the weekend in 60 seconds or less. Really just mentioning who wins these things and diving right into what it takes, where we take a deeper look. So, Joey, give us the rundown of what happened in the FPO.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, this this shouldn't be a surprise, but there was some talk that Paige Pierce was going cold, that she wasn't interested anymore, that she's washed up and I don't know if that angered her or if it just was never true all along which is probably what I think but she she smoked this one she she took it down you know 25 down classic page page fashion smoked the second round absolutely smoked the second round 12 down bogey free 10 birdies in a row on the middle nine just unprecedented didn't miss a circle one X putt in that round she she really smoked it and honestly after round two not just with where her score was at at that point but just the way that she was playing there was there was not a lot of doubt in my mind that she was
0: going to take it down not at all definitely a course that suits her game and uh ella hansen for a bit looked like she was going to make it close yeah she she played well yeah, I think she finished uh, three over on the last two holes or something. But uh, yeah, definitely it made was, it kind of close. But at the end of the day, it yeah, was I,
1: page. I really like watching Ella, and you know there are there are a lot of times where it seems like she's really comfortable around the green and is getting more comfortable around the green. And there were, there were even times where I would say she was a great putter. But it just seems like she she leaks a few away every now and then in in important moments and i, I think that seems to be the the battle she's fighting right now you know t to green she's you know most of the fpo field is wishing they had her t to green game um oh of you course know, you know and and there's certainly players that that's true for on the mpo as well you know even even this weekend watching aaron gossage you know um, so it was, it was definitely interesting, but really happy to see Paige back on the top of the leaderboard. I I don't think it surprises anybody that she's back on top. <laughs> in interestingly, she's only sixteenth in the Pro Tour standings. You know, obviously she was semi injured for the last couple tournaments and and kind of took it slow and and she really didn't play that much. You know, she didn't play LVC. She didn't play Texas States. Um. And didn't play that well in Champions Cup again because of the injury. So she's she's 16th in the Pro Tour standings. And I mean, that's the lowest that I've seen her in in a while other than last week, of course.
0: It, yeah, the big takeaway is, you know, all the talk about being washed up or whatever, like she was dealing with an injury, right? That That's a real sure. a real thing. I want to say it was a shoulder injury. Yeah, that sounds right. It, yeah. Um, but regardless, right? I mean, it, there was something that you could point to and say, "Yeah, she's not going to be her normal Paige Pierce self, right?" Yeah. Um, you say no surprise that she's back on top. To the contrary, like based based on that she had this injury, I was kind of surprised that uh, I was, she was surprised it was so well.
1: so soon. Yeah,
0: right. It it had been made to me uh, to sound like it was more of uh, something that was expected to bother her for, like, most of the season. Okay. So I was not ready for her to, like, be back in full form so soon. Right away. But yeah, sure. But apparently that's the case. Hopefully that stays the case. And uh, obviously, yeah, if she's feeling this good, you know, that world ranking is gonna climb pretty quick. Yeah, I... It
1: It's how it usually goes for her, that when when she gets back in good form, she'll go a few tournaments in a row where she'll bring down three out of four or something like that so over yeah, without a doubt over on the mpo side emerson keith winning his first elite series event so congratulations to him really cool to see some different names toward the top of the leaderboard you know there's certainly some that we're we're familiar with but it was nice to see emerson bring this one down shooting two strokes above gannon Burr.
0: i think everyone on that lead card was ranked Outside the top 30, is that correct? Yeah, that,
1: that sounds right. I think that's what I heard too.
0: Yeah, so it certainly felt like somebody uh, who doesn't win all the time was going to take this one down, which at an Elite Series is obviously super cool. And then by the end of the tournament, after looking like it was going to be Emerson, Keith, or Aaron Gossage for most of the event, all of a sudden, here comes Ganon Burr charging up from what they s- I don't think he was fifth, even on the fifth chase card, card. fifth, fifth card. card yeah that's what I was going to say and I hesitated like really was it fifth card
1: fifth card but yeah
0: it looks like someone's going to get a big win you know someone who doesn't win all the time gannon birds like nope this is my show comes up from the fifth card doesn't quite get there comes up one stroke short he shoots and, he and shoots
1: a- nine birdies in a row so he starts the back nine with a birdie and birdies all the way through 17 and that if he birdies 18 he ties Emerson and forces a playoff obviously that's not the order of the events cuz you know Gannon's on 18 sooner than Emerson so you know Emerson yeah. Emerson knows that that's where Gannon is before he before he plays those final holes so you can't really word it so simply that's not how sports works you know Emerson parred the last three holes so he certainly could have been more aggressive if he needed to nevertheless Gannon goes you know Nine, nine birdies in a row starting on hole nine and nearly takes it down. But more importantly, rockets himself up from fifth card into second place. Solo second.
0: Right. And by the time Gannon has finished his round, Emerson Keith is only on what hole 13 or something. Something So at, at,
1: at, clo- at the closest hole 13. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. And um, holes 16, 17 and 18 which, again, by the time Emerson gets there, Gannon's already well done. Yep. Uh, 16, and 17, and 18. Right. Uh, 16, 17, 18 are, I think, the three hardest holes on the course. Yeah, 16's and, a really long par four. And going into it, Emerson only has a one-stroke lead. Over And he Aaron, is though, now right? faced... Uh, I don't remember who it was at that time. Okay. But it was at least Gannon, right? Because Emerson <laughs> went par, par, par to close and only won by one stroke.
1: Right. Yeah, I think it was So Aaron. going
0: into 16, he must have also been over Gannon by only that one stroke. Right. Uh, now, Ga- Aaron also, yes, I think he double bogeyed 17. And bogeyed uh, And he didn't yeah. finish that far behind Emerson, right? So he was definitely right in the mix there at 16 as well. Yep. Uh, but your Emerson Keith... You're only up by one, and you now have the three hardest holes on the course in front of you. Pars 16, par 17, and then 18 honestly felt like he had a very good birdie chance. Obviously just laid up because he didn't have to make the birdie putt to right. uh, get the just, win. But yeah, just he did was in not crack in yeah. the face of pressure. Yep. And there you go. Right. So very, very cool to uh, fend off Gannon, who obviously did everything he could to to win that event. And really, I think Emerson being up by one going into 16 with how hard that final stretch is. Gannon was probably favored to win at that point. I wouldn't be surprised just based on the probabilities. Yeah given how hard 16 17 and 18 are and the pressure of having to execute you know for the win on top of that yeah in in hole one uh, but emerson here we are
1: in hole one sorry in round one emerson bogeyed 17 and 18 right so Mm. he parred 17 and birdied 18 in round two but he was playing really well in round two so you know you you got to imagine he's thinking about both of those possibilities in round three you know yeah, for sure. You know, 18's not too hard to go OB on uh, with the way the, the green is set up, right? It's, for all intents and purposes, it's an island green. Um, you know, I know there's the little strip in the middle, but it's not like anybody's trying to play to that strip. You know, you're going to play to the green.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, so that's our 60-second stories. That It was definitely an exciting finish. Really happy for Emerson Keith so let's jump right into what it takes, where we're going to dissect the stats and standings that pushed these players to the top of the leaderboard. We will jump right back over to the FPO. Let's talk about Paige. So this this really isn't a surprise to anybody that, that watched this, especially in round two, but... You know, Paige nearly swept in in T. Green stats. First in circle one in regulation, first in circle two in regulation, second in parked, and third in fairway hits, which is abs- absolutely insane. Fifty percent circle one in regulation in round two, which is where she smoked and went twelve down, but she was sixty-one percent circle one in regulation in in round three, and fifty percent circle one in regulation in round one. You know it it was really just hitting you know a few more putts in round two, and she had a couple long c two putts that that helped her out in round two to keep that streak going um but putted putted pretty well eighty percent in the circle um for twelfth twelfth pa- place, which is certainly gaining strokes on the field most of her strokes were gained t to green however um again, not a surprise when you look at her her tee-to-green stats, of course, um, and no surprise coming from Paige. But mostly it was tee-to-green, it was which I think this course really really sets up for that. Interestingly, Hall and Hanley shooting about a stroke better than Paige tee-to-green, um, but shoots way, way worse than Paige. 18 strokes behind Paige. Lost almost six strokes on the field on the putting green, and took 11 OB strokes. So, to put that in better perspective, Page gained 18 strokes on the field t to green, but lost three OBs. Holland gained 19 strokes on the field t to green, but lost 11 OBs. So, it, it, Page was the only player who, who was top five in t to green strokes gained t to green. That shot less than five OBs, and she only shot three. So the other the other players were Holland, Haley King, Ella Hanson, and Jessica Weiss, who had three, five, seven, nine, eleven. That those numbers make me really happy. Paige had three, <laughs> and the other players had five, seven, nine, eleven OBs. So it's it's very impressive that she's able to gain that many tee to green strokes and avoid, you know five to ten strokes OB compared to the other players who are shooting that well T to green. So really impressive stuff out of page. Really doesn't surprise me that she took this one down only four strokes over Own Scoggins, who of course gained an insane amount of strokes putting, you know, first first in strokes gained T to green, but took second place. She gained almost ten strokes on the field T to green, which is very impressive on what is a pretty long course for someone that I don't think of generally as a power player, but the more I watch her, the more I change that opinion. I mean, Own Throw's pretty far.
0: Yeah, she... I think part of the reason it doesn't seem like that all the time is because she's throwing these Excaliburs and Halo Destroyers, right? Um, But yeah, I mean, if she's throwing... Uh, I'm not sure what her like more understable distance drivers are. but when She's, she's, she's trying got to get some max flippy distance, destroyers, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she can put them out there, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, sixth in Circle 2 in Regulation, ninth in Circle 1 in Regulation, I mean, she's getting there with the best of them. Right? For, fourth in Parked. You know, and there's there's some long holes on this layout, so definitely some impressive stuff out of Own. Really enjoy watching her. I mean, she's such a blast to to watch every time we're we're such a big own scoggins fans on this podcast but i, I was really happy circle
0: it, two in regulation 72 percent yeah that's nuts that's a huge number
1: yeah when was the last time you shot circle 70 percent circle two in regulation
0: uh I, I play some pretty baby courses okay if, if i'm right. being honest compared to, to what these to people are playing so well yeah, own yeah. made
1: own made this look like a baby course
0: um yeah no kidding Uh, Speaking of circle two and regulation, going back to Paige Pierce, 85% circle two and regulation. That is the highest circle two and regulation of any player in the FPO this year. Yeah, that's
1: that's just to give somebody some perspective. That's averaging more than 15 out of 18 holes in each round pages in circle two with a look for birdie. I mean, it it shouldn't be a surprise. Her birdie percentage is more than
0: 50%, you know? Yeah, she had three more birdies than any other competitor in the FBO.
1: Yeah. Also wanted to shout out Missy Gannon shooting 96% C1X. Yeah. that's, That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, not a number that we see all the time.
1: No, certainly not. Over on the MPO side, so this is a this is a weird one, stats-wise, as far as who ended up at the top. It's kind of a mixed bag as far as the stats. If I'm being honest, there's really only one stat that Emerson really stood out in, and he didn't stand out by by that much compared to some other players, and that's that's his his OB rate. You know, he only went OB three times. Gannon, for perspective, Gannon went OB eight times. So, you know, Emerson did pretty good tee to green. He did pretty good putting. Um, So, you know, Emerson's 7th in strokes gained tee to green, 12th in strokes gained putting compared to Gannon, who's 12th in strokes gained tee to green. So only about a stroke different than than Emerson tee to green. But, you know, Gannon, to no one's surprise, 97% C1X, 9 strokes gained putting, that's first place so substantially more than emerson as far as putting but you know it was it was the OBs that that dragged him down and he shot 8 OBs which is not that bad if you scroll down the list it's it's pretty average compared to a lot of other players even players that are toward the top of the leaderboard but you know it's it's just enough when you got emerson only going OB 3 times in the tournament that's that's 5 strokes right there you know it takes a lot of made butts to make up five strokes, especially when Emerson is putting 92%. Like I said, it's Emerson wasn't lights out putting compared to some of these other guys, but 92% C1X putting is more than enough if you're getting in circle one in regulation as often as he is. So definitely a mixed bag towards the top. Some other players toward the top had had similar stats in the sense that it was a healthy balance between between T to green and putting really the only player that stands out as far as the difference there is Aaron Gossage, who smoked it tee to green, you know, 17 strokes gained on the field first and strokes gained tee to green. Only went OB four times, but 68% C1X putting, losing five strokes on the field on the putting green. I mean, just not not up to the standard that he needs to be for, for how good his tee to green game is. I mean, if he puts. Even just okay, I mean he's like I said he lost five strokes on the on the field, putting if he lost zero strokes on the field and just putted average he's he ties Emerson,
0: yeah, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, like looking at Emerson's stats, there isn't that one thing that really stands out as like, oh, you know, first in circle one in regulation by like four percentage points, you know right uh it's it's not that obvious like fourth and circle one in regulation, obviously in a field of hundred and plus people, that's, that's still obviously excellent. Yeah. Uh, circle one in core, circle one in regulation correlates so strongly to winning events that, yeah, sure. Fourth isn't like amazing for someone that wins, but obviously it's very good. Yeah. Uh, circle two in regulation 15th. That's definitely a number that for the person who wins the event, that number is usually higher. You know, that usually they're in the top five or so in circle two and regulation, uh, 11th and circle one putts. Th- that is not super uncommon for someone who wins the event just because there's not as much separation. Right. Yeah. And so you could have like three people who put a hundred percent, five people who put 97% and then yeah. 10 people who are at and 92. And that's exactly what happened, right? Yeah. Exactly. And same thing with Circle 2 in regulation. You know, it, he's 15th at 67% Circle 2 in regulation. The person who was first was only 74%. That's not that much different. That's right. only three out of 54 Circle 2s in regulation different. So it's there really isn't a lot of separation in some of these things uh so when you look when you take that into consideration uh, i think his performance does look a little better but you're right that just looking at some of these raw stats uh they do look a little bit lower than what we're used to for someone who wins the tournament right, right.
1: and look strokes are strokes i mean he went he wins the tournament he, you know he he of course did what he had to do and deserves it and I guess in another light, it's it's actually a healthy way that a, a course looks, right? Is that the players towards the top have a nice balance of where they're getting their strokes. You know, Emerson, second in OB rate. You know, only one other player had fewer OBs than him, which was Cole Verdalen, who tied for third. And we see these other players that are in similar positions, right? So, for example, Gannon Burr. Was very very slightly better than Emerson in Circle One regulation, but essentially the same. And Gannon putted slightly better than Emerson, but basically the same. And you know Emerson just kept it clean off the tee, and and that's where those strokes came in the OB thing. You know, when you're putting ninety two percent in the circle, if you're even top ten in Circle One in regulation, I mean you're you're in contention at the tournament for sure. You know the difference. The difference between ninety-two percent circle one X and ninety-seven circle one X might be ten players, but it, you know it, it, the circle one and regulation stat matters just as much, right? And there's usually way more variation in the circle one and regulation stat than there is in the circle one X putting on the top end, and that's really what drives it. You know, obviously both of these players are really good at both of those things, particularly in this tournament, but it's It's easy to forget that you know you see somebody who puts lights out and you're like, oh they they're going to be on top, and it's like, well, it depends how many opportunities they're giving themselves and and that's what Emerson did, you know
0: and when you have so many other players in the field who are also doing that, yeah, right, yeah, so
1: yeah. Really interesting balance toward the top of the MPO field. Just to go down the leaderboard, Emerson, Keith in first, Ganenberg in second, and then Isaac Robinson, Cole Rodolin, and Aaron Gossage tied for third.
0: Yeah, it's a very good segue into crunch time when we get there. That was kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about is just seeing new faces at the top, you know? Uh, FPO side... uh, Kind of similar in some regards. We'll talk about that more as we get in there as well. But, you know, Paige Pierce winning it. Owen Scoggins at the top. Ella Hansen in the mix. Uh, Those are all familiar as well, right? Yeah, no huge surprises. All right. Shall we dive right into crunch time then? Let's crunch it. Let's do it. It's crunch time where we've crunched the numbers from the entire field top to bottom to bring you the coolest stats from the weekend. So... Starting off, like you said, going down that MPO leaderboard, a lot of new faces, that whole lead card on the final round, uh, not all of them super familiar to everyone. We have had nine DGPT events so far this year. In the MPO field, we've had six unique winners. Calvin Heimberg, Kyle Klein, Gannon Burr, Simon Lazat, Isaac Robinson, Emerson Keith. Um, (laughs) Can you hear that? no. Oh thank god.
1: <laughs> it's gotta be cat sounds, right?
0: It it's my cat being a dumbass. Yeah. Sounds right. Um yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh let's see here if my setup will allow me to do this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. Uh nine DGPT events, six unique winners. So we have Calvin Heinberg, Kyle Klein, Ganon Burr, Simon Lazat, Isaac Robinson, and Emerson Keith now. Heimberg having three wins this season, Ganon Burr having two, and then the others one apiece. So for the most part, basically someone different winning every week. And the FBO side, also nine DGPT events this year, five unique winners, not quite as much as the MPO, but more than we've historically had. Those five winners are Katrina Allen, Kristen Tatar, Paige Pierce, Sayananda, si and Kat Merch. Uh, not that long ago in Jonesboro. Kristen, of course, with four wins this year. Kat with two. I should say Katrina Allen, as opposed to Kat Merch. Katrina Allen with, or sorry, Katrina Allen only has one. Paige Pierce has two. The other being the Open at Austin. And then Sayananda and Kat Merch, like I said. So we are seeing more faces at the top. And in a similar line to that, we had Emily Beach finishing in third on the FPO side. So, you know, the MPO, we highlighted it uh, guys like Yacoub Samarad on the lead card in the final round notable on the FPO side. I, I think the biggest new face here is Emily Beach for sure. And just looking at her stats, like to me, Emily Beach has always been a very good C1X putter. And that's, what usually keeps her in the mix if she finds herself like top 10 or, or even higher. Uh, third place at this event. I did not catch where that stands for her as far as best DGPT finishes, but I I don't ever recall her finishing much higher than that. So I I'm, I'm thinking that's up there with her best finishes. What really surprised me about this stat line, 78% circle two in regulation. That yeah. was good for second in the event. She has not historically struck me as a elite T to green player, but that 78% circle to and regulation good for second in the event. Uh, when she can do that and just has a typical putting round for her, she's going to be in the mix. Oh, for Except sure. she did even more than that. She had a great putting round. She gained... What was it? 6.9 strokes on the field in C1X. That was good for first uh, for the whole event. Only 0.02 strokes above uh, either Missy Gannon or Owen Scoggins. I don't remember who. But the top three were all within like 0.03 strokes or something. It was very close. Um, Yeah. So gaining 6.9 strokes in Circle 1X combined with the incredible... Tita Green performance that she had. No surprise that she's in third place. That 78% Circle 2 in regulation, Joe, her best Circle 2 in regulation that we have on record, our shot-by-shot data, only goes back to the start of 2022. Here's a guess the stat. Prior to her 78% Circle 2 in regulation, what do you think her best was since the start of 2022?
1: Oh god, it's gonna be worse. I'm thinking let's go
0: 55%. Not a bad guess. Uh 65.3%. Okay. All right. So, you know, lower than her OTB mark by 13 percentage points. So obviously still a huge gap there. And that 65% that was her previous best since 2022, mind you. Was at uh, US Women's last year, which was a course that had higher Circle Two and Regulation numbers than average, I would say. Uh, it was a bit of a shorter, more technical course, and you did have a lot more players finding cir- or having higher Circle Two and Regulation numbers than their averages, I would say. And even still on a course that plays favorable to Circle 2 in regulation, she was still able to beat that mark by 13 percentage points. So just cannot understate how impressive of a round this was for her.
1: Yeah, it was her highest event rating of her career, clocking in at 983. That's all events that she's yeah. ever, ever played it was actually not her best finish ever at an Elite Series event. She took second in D Glow last year, but with a oh, nice. with a lower event rating, um, similar cash payout Wow! Too. So pretty cool for Emily Beach. And hey, I got a guess the stat for you. Hit me. So Emerson Keith played played really well. Let's let's be honest about that. Um and obviously so did so did Paige, and both of them shot really strong event ratings, so emerson keith his his rating was exactly ten fifty. How do you feel in general about that number with regards to like where that generally puts the winner like when when you hear like, "Oh, the winner shot ten fifty, what
0: does that like mean to you? So I was thinking about this. Uh, just yesterday when I was compiling some of these stats so to hear that the winner shot 1050 in the MPO seems low
1: yeah I I Uh, think I agree yeah
0: it it seems like now you got to shoot like 1070
1: yeah at least 1060 yeah
0: yeah Um, so I am a little surprised that his event was only 1050 i know that sounds kind of weird to say right
1: so here's here's your guess the stat emerson has had 10 events in his mpo career that he he ended the event better than 1050 so not including this one of those 10 events how many did emerson win
0: This is obviously not limited to DGPT events because this is his first DGPT win. That's that's right.
1: So they're they're all MPO, but there are some A A and B tiers in here as well.
0: I've got to imagine outside of DGPT events, 1050 is going to win you most events. I'm I'm. I've gotta guess he got at least nine of those ten. But since you're asking, I'm gonna say he got all ten.
1: So Emerson only won five of the events Whoa. that he that he shot 1050 or better in. So you're right that he, he won all but one of the events that were, you know, DGPT non-DGPT events. Um But he's got quite a few DGPT events where he has placed quite well in 2020, third and fourth in DDO and the Preserve, respectively. And then, of course, a lot of people probably remember his impressive showing at 2019 Worlds. He took down third. He shot 1061. Um, So really good showing there. Um, But yeah, only winning five of the ten events where he shot 1050 or better. To be fair, one of them is like a flex single round flex start thing. Sure, um, sure. So, it it's that's maybe an asterisk on that one, but this this is Emerson's biggest payout by more than a factor of 2. His his payout Ooh. was 10,500 and his next best payout was at, you know, his third place at Worlds, which was only 4,500. So, really impressive stuff from Emerson. I'm sure he'll him and his family will be enjoying that that payday.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So staying on the Emerson Keith train. So uh, you mentioned the tournament rating, 1050. Looking at individual rounds, obviously he's at the course record in round two. That was a 1075 rated 12 under. It seems like looking at uh, event ratings and round ratings throughout the year for the people who are winning these events, it seems like they very often will have either like that one big career round or all three of their rounds or four of their rounds, whatever the case is, all of their rounds are like in some super high percentile of their career rounds. Uh, the story here for Emerson is a little different. What I mean by that is his, uh, course record setting 12 under in round two it was his thirteenth highest-rated round of his career, so it's not even a top ten round for him. Mm-hmm. That being said, he's played more rounds than most people. Yes, uh, he has <laughs> he has eight hundred fifty-six rounds on record. DGPT rounds.
1: Whoa, that's impressive. Oh no I no, thought, no, no, no 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 no. That's PDGA no, that's not, rounds.
0: Yeah, that is just all rounds
1: sanctioned rounds. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Eight hundred fifty-six sanctioned rounds so obviously as a percentile 13 out of 856 is very high uh but he didn't have you know a top 10 round a top five round in this event Uh, he does have nine career rounds of 1080 plus so this wasn't like super uncharted territory for emerson keith yep but like you said he kind of came onto the scene in 2019 when he was battling for the world title. If you look at his top nine highest rated rounds, so all of those rounds that he's got uh, rated 1080 or higher, that round two that he just played at OTB is the only one of his top nine rounds that wasn't in 2019
1: or 2020 wow so it's been a while since he's been playing this hot
0: yeah so 2019 and 2020 was like peak emerson keith all of his 1080 rounds all nine of them well all eight of them no nine sorry yep all nine of them were in those two years 2019 2020 yep and part of that is just how many events he was playing in those years So, working backwards, in 2022, he played 33 events. So, that's, you know, more than every other weekend he's playing an event. Yep. Uh, Go back one year to 2021, it's 35 events. Go back another year to 2020, it's 34 events. So, those are all... You know, 33, 35, 34. Those are basically all the same number. Go back to 2019, though. I'll just ask you, how many uh, tournaments do you think he played in
1: 2019? Rounds? Tournaments. Tar- tournaments.
0: Um How many events? Let's go 50. 51.
1: Wow. That's a lot in a year. I mean, that's let's, averaging one a week, right?
0: Let's go back one more year. 2018. How many do you think he played in 2018?
1: I'll go 52.
0: 58. Whoa. Let's go back another year, 2017. Oh Sef- How many do you think he played in 2017? 70. 73. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then in 2016, I think he played like 27 or something. I mean, that's, it, that's it, a it, lot of events. Yes, it is a lot of events. 73 is like three events every two weeks
1: i don't even yeah. know how that's
0: possible like how wow. how can you play more than one event per week i don't know uh it's just assuming they're all on the weekend right, right, right. I, I, I don't know obviously that must not be true but yeah i wonder yeah, like just league a ton rounds of events. and
1: things you know like that sort of stuff um but but still that's that's a lot
0: yeah so i think In 2019, having those 51 events, that was not the year that he played the most events, right? He played 73 in 2017, 58 in 2018. But it seems kind of right in that middle period where he's playing a ton of events and also is just like maturing and getting better and having all this experience under his belt that those two things kind of peaked in 2019 uh to get all of those really high rated rounds and then 2020 2021 2022 it's not that he got worse per se he's just not really playing as many events he's got a family by this point has kids yeah. right so you know life happens and uh i'm i'm thinking that's the story there so cool that uh emerson is able to put up around kind of like what he used to be doing in 2019 2020 sort of that peak emerson keith time
1: yeah for real impressive how much how much time he put in you know in those years it, it obviously showed in the, the way that he was playing but you know there was a year a couple years ago where i played i think it was 158 rounds that year and it felt like I was playing disc golf every single opportunity that I had. <laughs> Emerson played yep. more more sanctioned rounds than I did rounds at all the whole year. Yeah. Which is yep. nuts. Nuts. Yeah. Crazy. So, impressive. Hey, wanted to mention I dug up you were mentioning that, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen was a particularly hard stretch coming down at OTB. Um and i i wanted to mention i looked up you know the hardest holes that we've had this year and hole 16 is the hardest hole that has been Ooh. on tour this year so there's been 144 unique holes and six, number 16 was the hardest hole and 17 and 18 are both in the top 20
0: wow yeah that's so, a hard stretch
1: <laughs> yep very very challenging stretch the the second hardest hole on tour And the third hardest hole on tour were the final holes at Austin and at Jonesboro. But 16 at OTB, Swenson taking it down, hardest hole on tour so far. I would be very surprised if it was still there by the end of the year.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We have more than half the season left to go. So just on that line of thought, I'm going to agree with you. I think maybe something has a good chance to overtake it. Well, we've
1: got Northwoods, right? We've got... There's a couple at Maple that, that are play pretty tough.
0: Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Alright. We're going a little bit long here, so I'm gonna start plowing through some of these. Uh, something you mentioned earlier that I was worried you were gonna steal my thunder on was all the stats you were rattling off on Hall and Hanley. So I do want to jump <laughs> back to that. So just to set the stage again, right? Uh, Hall and Hanley first in the FPO and strokes gain T to green with just a sliver over 19. And she only finished tied for 13th in the event. So in the FPO and the MPO, but typically even more true in the FPO, the strokes gain T to green stat correlates very strongly with who wins the tournament. And where the field sizes are even smaller in the FPO than the MPO, uh, 13th is a is a very low placement for someone who is accumulating the most strokes gain T to green. And kind of as you mentioned, that was uh, on the on the back of a very poor putting performance uh, this weekend from Holland Hanley. So looking at the strokes gained putting for Holland, she lost 5.6 strokes to the field and 4.8 of those were in C1X, which is very un like. And then again, on top of all of this, you had 11 OBs, which was also above average. That didn't help her case either. So I focused in here on the putting because uh, I don't usually associate Holland as being like a top five or even a top 10 putter, but she's not a bad putter. Like I I would still say she's above average. And until I Kind of dug into the stats. I didn't actually realize just how elite of a putter that she's been. Yeah, but I, I stumbled upon I, this one, Joe. I think of her as an so, elite
1: circle two putter.
0: Yes, and we talked about that last year, kind of when we went through those circle two stats. Uh, yeah. In particular, looking at Owen Scoggins, but Hall and Hanley's numbers are definitely up there for circle two, which makes this even more surprising, right? So you take that. strokes lost putting, break that down to a per round average, you get uh, 1.87 strokes lost putting per round as a event average. That is her worst since the start of 2022, which is when we have this type of data. And querying the database told me that this was only the second event since the start of twenty twenty two where she has lost strokes to the field putting.
1: Oh. So and it's that so it is a standout performance in a in a bad it's, way.
0: It's markedly bad. Yeah. Like and, and I didn't really realize that, honestly. Like I realized it enough to to ask into the question it. Yeah. of how right. But you know, one and a half years of pro disc golf from the, the start of 2022 to roughly midway through 2023. And it's only the second time she has lost strokes to the field putting, uh, it was kind of surprising. So I, just to double check that I queried the database correctly, I went back event by event and started looking at her strokes gain putting and just making sure that they're all, almost all above zero and they were, but there were some exceptions. So this year at blue Ridge, she lost like almost three strokes putting. The reason that it doesn't show up in my query was because I only asked it to return events that were at least 54 holes. Okay. Or I should say, you know, only return events that she has 54 holes worth of data on. Okay. At Blue Ridge, her stats for round one and round three were not recorded.
1: Oh, so it ignored that event where she actually did shoot Correct. That, that
0: poorly. Yeah. Correct. So it does look like she wasn't putting particularly well, at least in round two, where we have stats. But. We don't know what happened in round one or round three, so we don't know definitively that she would have lost strokes there if we had the data, right? Yeah, give Um, her the benefit of the doubt. Yep, yep. And then another event that does not show up in the query is last year's Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship, where she also lost strokes to the field putting. And I think that is just because that is not technically a DGPT event. And that's why it doesn't show up. Uh, I did not double check that. This is something I was doing right before we hopped on the mic. But I suspect that's why that didn't show up.
1: Yeah, I think technically but it's still, not even it's not even PDGA sanctioned.
0: I think you're correct. Yeah. Um. It, but even still. It, even if you say for those events, if, if you count them in the statistic and you say there are four events that she lost strokes putting since the start of 2022, that's yeah, a, still a very still low a number. That's still a small number, right? Absolutely. And here's what's cool. So, again, the the query only tells me that there have been two events, uh, one of them being this past weekend at the OTB Open. The other one was last year's OTB Open. Whoa
1: she's yes, got a, she's and, got a little thing, and at, it's not like OTV. she
0: lost, you know half a stroke. She lost three strokes putting in that event,
1: right. It wasn't close which
0: was on average you know one point oh something per round. so it it does seem like when she loses strokes to the field putting they're they're not necessarily small numbers either. so it's like it's all there or it's all not,
1: you know right, right yeah, it's uh. It's interesting to see, you know, I I certainly don't think of her as a bad putter, and I certainly wouldn't say it's something she needs to work on, but I, she's an incredible tee to green player, an incredible tee to green, like we said, first in strokes gained tee to green, first in parked, first in circle one regulation and 6th in circle 2 in regulation at OTB. So it, extremely impressive stuff from Holland as always. Tita Green, uh, on the year, she's she's top 5 in those three stats as well. So impressive stuff. But I don't think it's going to be too long before we see her have a good putting day and take one of these down.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you. So speaking of strong tee to green performances. We already mentioned Paige Pierce, 85% circle two in regulation. That was the best circle two in regulation that an FPO player has had all season. That is the best since Evelina Salonen at last year's U S women's disc golf championship, where her circle two in regulation was 87.5%. Bringing the focus back to Paige Pierce though, would you like to guess the stat as to her previous best circle two in regulation. What was And again, no- keep in mind the data only goes back to the start of twenty twenty two.
1: Yeah, her number was eighty-five. Yep. Okay, and Evelina's which was the second best was how much? Eighty two.
0: Eighty seven point five.
1: Eighty seven. Okay. Um I bet Paige has one that's close to it.
0: I bet it there's one that's above eighty.
1: I'll say eighty three.
0: 75.9 whoa big drop off yeah big drop off uh i was surprised at that as well just because Paige is it's... one of the best t to green players of all time <laughs> yeah for sure yep so that mark at 75.9 was at last year's jonesboro open but again keep in mind like we only have the stroke by stroke data for uh going back to the start of 2022 There is more data available if you want to browse through the U Disk Live data, which we could definitely do. The data is there; I just have not dedicated the time to doing that, (laughs) and I hope no one out there blames me.
1: (laughs) I certainly don't.
0: But speaking of last year's twenty twenty two, well, yeah, twenty twenty two Jonesboro Open was notable for Circle Two and regulation for another reason. And do you remember why?
1: Mm, was this the round where somebody had like some ridiculous amount in one particular round no that was
0: putting i don't remember 2022 jonesboro in the fpo still in the fpo was the event where we witnessed the greatest circle two and regulation number since we have data for it so since the start of 2022 that was Kristen Tatar, who won that event by 10 strokes, and we called it the Kristen Tatar Open. <laughs> and for the entire event, her circle two in regulation was 96.3%. Oh my God. What is that? like? She w- missed one
1: hole, two holes? Uh,
0: th- uh, two holes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Tough to lose when you're doing that. I mean, even if you're not putting well, some of them are going to go in.
0: Yep. Now, like I alluded to earlier, we're running eh, shorter on time than I would like. I mean, we don't have a hard limit, but we like to keep these things on the shorter end. And while we're talking about being in circle two all the time, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this stat. Joe, I think you're going to like this. Go for it. So this is a Simon Lazat stat. So Simon Lazat for the event, circle two in regulation, that was good for first in the MPO field. His circle one in regulation was a bit far behind that. It was 41%, which was only good for 16th in the field. So there's a big gap there. Of that 41% circle one in regulation, he also had 20% Parked, which was good for first in the event. So compared to how often he was in circle two, he was not in circle one all that often in regulation, but when he was, he was parked, parked. on basically half of the circle one in regulations that he had. So to make a darts reference, which feels appropriate, as it is Simon Lazat, of course. Uh, he was basically in the bull'seye or on the triple 20 is what it felt like
1: <laughs> and that was it. Uh, it
0: and that was it right so here are the numbers <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just ask you okay guess the stat how many circle two putting attempts do you think he had this weekend
1: um i'm trying to think what's normal like i, I think most players probably have like four or five around so i'm gonna say like 15
0: okay so (laughs) uh knowing that he was 74 percent circle two in regulation okay and his circle one in regulation was 31 percentage points lower than that
1: all right so it's gonna be he had
0: a lot of circle two putts would you like to amend your answer?
1: Yeah. So it's got to be more like, so if he was in circle two in regulation, 74% of the time, yeah, so it's like two thirds of 54 holes. And he was pretty much never in circle one in regulation. So, okay. It's it's probably like 30,
0: 29.
1: Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that is a lot. And unfortunately he only made six of them. So Oof. this is kind of funny, right? Like, dig dig back in your memory a bit because i don't have these numbers in front of me when we talked last season about what an elite circle two putting percentage was what did we settle on for a number
1: i can tell you definitely i'm pretty sure we said 85 and 30 was our our mpo cutoffs um
0: Thirty sounds right. I wasn't sure if we brought it down a little bit from that, but it was definitely in that I neighborhood. I, I feel like I, I said
1: thirty and you might have said like twenty eight or something i'm I'm actually uh, yeah, something like that. It's loading right now, so I'll have the answer in a second but but go on, perfect,
0: yep, so Simon's circle two putting percentage for this event was twenty one percent, which isn't like horrible, Bad. yeah it's not terrible
1: 85
0: but, and 30 yeah okay so 30% so he was 21% which is like
1: pretty not, good yeah
0: yeah it's not bad and i think he lost more strokes in circle 2 than anyone else in the tournament oh my
1: god just cuz he had so, just so because, many attempts right just
0: because he had so many attempts exactly um here's here's a good one for you Twenty-nine circle two putting attempts. How many? C- how many C one X putting attempts do you think he had?
1: I'm assuming a lot of his circle two putts probably ended up just just as tap So, I mean, if he had twenty nine circle two, he didn't get that many off of the tee because his circle one in regulation was not nearly as high as a circle two. So it's probably fewer. I'll go like 20, 24.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so not that much lower, but more circle two attempts than C one X attempts. I don't know that I've ever seen that, especially for attempt numbers that are that high.
1: Right. And, and a lot of it is because, you know, you expect people to make some of their circle two putts. Sorry to put it so bluntly, Simon. Um, but
0: yeah, I mean, he he would tell you he's got to make more of those, right? But
1: yeah, not uh, not a good event for for Mister Lazat.
0: No, I mean to finish first in circle two in regulation and finish. I think he missed cash.
1: He missed cash. Yeah, he missed yeah. cash. Which, to be fair, it's the third time he's done it this year. Sure, or or in the last calendar year, I should say. Um,
0: sure. I bet he didn't finish first in Circle 2 in Regulation in those other ones, though. Prob-
1: probably not. It's probably just re- not. It's just really odd that he was first in Circle 2 in Regulation, first in Parked, 16th in Circle 1 in Regulation. And, like, I don't know, just just odd. Like, if you showed me these stats and there was no name attached and you asked me to guess who it was, it would take me... A good amount of time until I got to simon lazatte i would I would rattle off a lot of names before I got to Simon,
0: oh, for sure, right. Uh, staying on the Simon train, so the round where he had his most circle to attempts was round two. How many attempts do you think he had just in that one round?
1: Uh, it's gonna be higher than a third, or you wouldn't be telling me, and I think you said there was twenty nine so probably like. Thirteen. Fourteen. Yep.
0: And from what I can tell, that is tied for the most circle two attempts in a single round. Since Going we, back since to stats, the start yeah. of twenty twenty two. Yep.
1: And he barely made any of them.
0: Yeah, he made three of them that round.
1: I mean three out of fourteen so, is not not great
0: Not terrible. Uh, In Simon's defense, the person that he was tied with for most Circle Two attempts in a single round at 14, uh, that person only made one of his 14. Oh, good job, Simon. So there you go. All right. What else do we got here? Here's a cool one. I did something a little different here. Uh, Chandler Fry and Colton Montgomery, both coming out of OTB Open, are now tied for. The most rounds this year of 100% C1X putting with at least six C1X attempts. Would you like to guess the two players that they are now tied with?
1: So there's two other players that have also done that many.
0: Correct. Yep. So this is Chandler Fry and Colton Montgomery now joining these two two other other players. players. All four of them have now had nine rounds at 100% C1X putting with at least six attempts.
1: Oh, God. um, uh, It's hard to not pick Andrew Marweed. Okay. That's, that's just a guess that you've got to throw out. Um, I can't blame you. Yep i'll I'll say calvin he had a couple tournaments where he putted particularly well um, yeah, that's the final what I'll answer say. yeah, I'll say okay. Marwe- marweed and Heinberg,
0: okay, so you are correct on Andrew Marweed, and okay. the other guy is james Proctor
1: ooh that's that's should have been on my list of considerations,
0: <laughs> sure, so going into this event. Uh, Andrew Marweed and James Proctor were already at nine. Uh, James Proctor putted like 88% for the event or something. Uh, did not quite have any one round where he was perfect in C1X. I think each round he went like nine for 10 or eight for nine or some, something like that, where he had a bunch of attempts. He made almost all of them, but didn't quite add to his, uh, C1X total Andrew Marweed did not even play this event okay Uh, he was already at 9 going into it Chandler Fry came into the event with only 7 rounds at 100% C1X with 6 attempts and he did it twice out of his 3 rounds this weekend Colton Montgomery came in with 8 and he was able to add one more in round 3 to get him to 9 if we look at the number of rounds that these guys have played, where they've had at least six C1X attempts, Proctor has the most at twenty-eight. It then goes down to Marweed at twenty twenty uh at 2022. 22. The next fewest is Colton Montgomery, who's only had twenty qualifying rounds of six or more attempts. And Chandler Fry has only had seventeen, so he's got more than half of his rounds that he's attempted at least six C1X attempts. He's made them all.
1: That's it's hard to fathom that that could even possibly be true. I yeah, mean, of, of course it is, but that's that's hard to swallow. His I mean, that's, that's impressive for the
0: season is like 91%. Yeah. And, and these numbers back that up. Right. <laughs> in a pretty impressive fashion, nonetheless.
1: Yeah, for real. While we're on that topic, can we just talk about how impressive the circle two putting has been in general this season? I mean, we've got, we've got six players, seven players at or above 35% in circle two.
0: That is a lot. Gannon Burrs at forty
1: percent. So we've we've oh. never seen an, any player finish a season no, over haven't. over forty percent. I mean that would be a massive achievement. So
0: yeah, that would be big.
1: Extremely that, impressive.
0: Yeah, we we are going to have to watch that the rest of the season for sure. Yeah.
1: Proctor's at 38. I mean, that's impressive. And especially in the first half of the season, you know, it's open courses, it's windy, it's longer putts and things like that, you know, I I know they're, maybe I'm making assumptions that it's harder to putt in C2 in the first half than the second half, but it's impressive on some of the courses, you know, you've got LVC and things like that, you know. Right. So anyway.
0: Yeah, we are keeping an eye on that. All right, Uh, Joe, do you have anything else for crunch time? I've got one more thing that I really have to say. Even if we were at like the three hour mark, I I would make sure I have to say this. But then I think if you don't have anything, I think then we will be good.
1: Nope, I don't. So please give me. Now you got me excited. All
0: right. This is a Johnny McCray stat. So for the folks at home who maybe you're pretty new into the scene and have never really followed pro disc golf. Uh, Johnny McRae is 15 months removed from a heart attack. He was able to start playing tournaments relatively soon after suffering said heart attack, uh, but has not played a ton of DGPT events. Honestly, the fact that he's played any is like seriously impressive. Very
1: impressive. Yeah, Uh,
0: no doubt um this he did play the otb open it was his first dgpt event of the year not necessarily any surprise there he has played other sanctioned events and a lot of them have been in mp50 in like b tiers and c tiers Mm -hmm. and which whatever the dude's 50 plus years old you know not that far after a heart attack and is playing these sanctioned events so like that's cool. Uh comes in first DGPT event of the year. Finishes tied for 23rd. Shoots 11 under, which is a 1024 rated event. Gains strokes on the field putting and gains almost six strokes on the field tee to green. This that is a guy makes these who, kids
1: look silly.
0: He yes. <laughs> He was the Masters world champion seven years ago. To put it in perspective, uh, he he's he, fifty. He's fifty years old, and he's he, finishing in like the top twenty-five.
1: So he he won Masters in MP fifty last year. Yeah, I mean, I
0: that also was. Post heart attack.
1: Yeah. Like only a few, only a a few months too. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that far off. I mean, that was an impressive achievement that we definitely didn't talk about enough at the time, but
0: Uh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean, this dude Uh, has, has been around the block.
0: Yeah. If you don't know who Johnny McRae is, this man is a legend. Like take a moment to appreciate, you know, what, what we're witnessing, right? Uh, just super cool stuff. Very glad that we can shed some light on this if this is the first that people are hearing of this, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Johnny McRae
1: has PDGA rounds from 1995. I mean, how many yeah, his pe-
0: PDGA number is only four digits?
1: How many people listening to this podcast or watching the Pro Tour or playing on the Pro Tour were not born in 1995? You know, yeah, that's, I mean,
0: Gannon Burr wasn't born until 2005.
1: Right, I mean, this this dude was winning an MPO for 10 years before Gannon Burr was born, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. here, here's the thing. You go back to look at Johnny McRae's stats and you're like, man, how good was he back in his peak? And I don't know because PDGA ratings didn't exist at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool this stuff. This dude is winning events in in m p o you know more than twenty years ago twenty twenty five almost thirty years ago and the dude is winning like eighty dollars it it's historical yeah. obviously these <laughs> these aren't you know national tour and, and pro tour events and things like that, but nevertheless i mean like
0: Could you imagine for a second, like you're in Florida, right? So it goes without saying you're probably like 55 years old. Sure. And you're, you know, maybe you're, it's the weekend, you got the weekend off or you're retired or whatever the case is. You just show up to your local, uh, YMCA
1: pool, (laughs)
0: well yeah hang that, out by but, the pool uh, right you're you're playing some sanction event you're an mp50 because there's not enough players to make an ma50 so you're just an mp50 and johnny mccray shows up and just slaps you <laughs> shoots like 1041 you're in second place shooting like a 960 like
1: best round you've ever played he beats you by he beats you by 11 strokes
0: yeah 100 (laughs) percent like and you're making awesome you're
1: making small talk with him and he's talking about recovering from his heart attack while he's draining draining 40 footers right in front of your face
0: yep yep what a legend
1: yeah to to like uh, give credit where credit is due i mean Olene Scoggins is like forty-five. I, I don't know her exact yep, age, yeah. but she's in that in that ballpark, which is very impressive.
0: Yep, her Jen Allen. You know, th- there are definitely oh, yeah. some people out there who who still got it for sure.
1: Oh yeah, it's and honestly, it's it's one of the coolest things about disc golf. Right, is it's easy to get all excited about. Ooh, we get these young guys coming in, and you know, at some point it's going to be all young guys and it's like yeah you know what Macbeth was that good when he was 17 too you know it's people get good young and they can stay good for a long time and can stay relevant for a long time you know and yep you can be the best player in the world when you're 17 and you can be the best player in the world when you're 35 you know and that's yeah. there's not many sports where that level of longevity is is as common, you know, there there certainly are your standouts, you know, your Tom Bradys, your LeBron James and but again, we're we're comparing disc golf players to some of the best athletes of all time ever. You know, so that's very impressive. You know, like when we when I talk to non-disc golfers that are maybe sports people but are tangentially interested in in disc golf i mean talking about Macbeth's stats in the last 10 world championships actually i think it's 11 now that he's gone he's either won it or got second place in all of those (laughs) worlds in that amount of time and he's won seven of them i mean we're talking about like tom brady level dominance at on the biggest stage right and yeah you know there's oh, yeah. th- there's the similar stat where like in 20 years you know tom was in the super bowl so many times and won it so many times and but it's the same sort of stats and i mean disc golf's big enough now that that's not it's not like this is some niche sport where you had 10 competitors and paul was the best one i mean this is a this is a real sport with huge fields of incredibly talented players and that level of dominance is it's hard to overstate
0: so exciting times no doubt alright man I think that wraps us up for the week unless you got any last thoughts
1: I don't so definitely a long episode but I think we deserved it we've been off the mic for a little while so very excited to be back
0: yeah. yeah we've been off for quite a bit so good to hit the mic again and you know, looking ahead here to the future, we got Beaver State Fling coming up this weekend. The Belgian Open also happening this weekend. I don't know that we'll cover that over the Beaver State Fling, but uh, you know, might have might throw in a couple good ones, good stats in there for you. Yeah, if we see. The week something. after that, we have a Silver Series, the Cascade Challenge in Washington State, Helsinki also overseas, and then after that. So three weeks from now is when we get our next elite series, which is the Portland open. So beaver state fling. I could definitely see us hopping on the mic for that. Uh, Or if we don't, I could see us doing some kind of, you know, mid season catch up or uh, like we've been talking about doing some, some kind of unique episodes. Maybe we'll get one of those in there, you know, no spoilers or anything, but yeah. We'll figure something out uh, three weeks until the next Elite Series. I can't imagine we'll wait that long to hop back on the mic. When exactly we'll make the time? Not sure yet, but you'll know when it drops. So stay in the loop and uh, until next time, peace.